Welcome to Severance Radio, a Nevada Reads on-air book club. I'm Heidi Kaiser. Over the course of 13 episodes, Severance Radio will dissect a single book, Severance, the satirical dystopian novel by Ling Ma. This book is a mixture of immigrant family story, corporate satire, and global health crisis. It's also the story of Candace Chen. Candace is a millennial first-generation American office drone who meanders her way into adulthood and ends up finding a world devoid of choice and feeling. During our live weekly radio broadcast, listeners heard an excerpt from the audiobook followed by discussions featuring literary luminaries, educators, and subject matter experts. For our podcast listeners, we leave out the book and cut straight to the conversation. Think of this as your own personal book club in podcast form. If you haven't read Severance yet, that's okay. These conversations are meant to serve as an accompaniment to the novel. Though, full disclosure, some of our guests, in addition to making insightful points, do indeed hint at plot spoilers. So read the book. Okay, got your book? Great. Let's get started. Loneliness and alienation are undertones throughout the novel. Our 2020 reality of sheltering in place and social distancing mirror these motifs. Joining us to talk about solitude are Shelley Kelly and Natalie Pennington. Kelly is a motorcyclist and professor at the College of Southern Nevada. Pennington is an assistant professor of communication studies at UNLV. Hear them discuss the effects of solitary life amid a pandemic. Shelley, Natalie, I'm so happy that you're here for this conversation. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So I want to just start with the idea of isolation and loneliness. And you both have such different takes on this. Shelley, you took an interesting trip that gave you a unique perspective into the kind of isolation that Candace is experiencing. Can you just tell us quickly about that? Um, in 2018, uh, from July to uh, the first or second week of August, about 34 days, I did a uh, solo motorcycle trip um, from Las Vegas down to Florida. Um, and the solitude inside that helmet helped to uh, just strengthen me. Uh, it's something I didn't learn until after I had gotten back, though. Shelley, talk about how that experience related to what Candace is going through. The closest I can come to is the solitude in that helmet. Um, and Candace self... Uh, alienates at all times. Even when she was a child, she was self-contained. Um, it, it's why I believe that she was built for the kind of isolation that she's dealing with in this novel. Um, that whole trajectory from New York uh, to the facility, she gets stronger and stronger until her mother shows up and says, hey, you need to get out of here kind of thing. I completely agree with you, Shelley. I, you know, I really get the sense that Candace always maybe felt a little bit like an outsider in some ways. Uh, and that really sets her up socially for, well, everything that happens in the book. It's easy for her to say, you know, sure, I'll stay in New York. Sure, I'll keep working uh, because that's what she has to do to survive. And for her, I think that makes a lot of sense. And so, you know, when we talk about her with the new group too, and she starts to realize that she's pregnant, now there's this additional level of, okay, how do I cope? How do I, you know, me and Luna together really represent something? Absolutely. It's, it's strengthening for Candace how she realizes that Luna is now actually an entity. Um, that mother wit comes in uh, right after her mother uh, appears to her. 
which I think is beautiful. Um, I really was stuck on that this afternoon, just that strength in solitude. I want to bring in technology really quickly because I do some backpacking and I do that to get off the grid. And Shelly, I think someone takes a motorcycle trip like you did to sort of have that experience of getting away from it all, getting off the grid, getting away from your email and your, <laughs> your work responsibilities. But interestingly, in the book, technology plays a sort of different role, right? I mean, like the smat, I think of the smashing of her iPhone and how she carries around this dead iPhone. Um, Natalie, this is kind of your, your area of expertise. Can you talk about how you, you read that? Yeah, you know, what's interesting for me with technology in the book is that it kind of takes on a few different roles, um, where it's how people reconnect immediately afterwards. I think about how uh, Candace reaches out to check on, I want to say it was a cousin, I'm blinking on the top of my head, I'm pretty sure it was a cousin she was checking on just to see how he was doing. And um, we see those reconnection moments happen when people are sort of in crisis a little. We want to reconnect and reground ourselves in family and friends and memories in that regard. Um, but at the same time, as society starts to break down a little, as we see in this, uh, it's harder and harder to make use of technology. So it sort of represents something different. So for her, having the phone, even though it's broken, the phone still represents something to her. It still kind of brings that form of connection uh, as an object. When she goes back into the office um, uh, after declining uh, to leave with Blythe and uh, Delilah, uh, the comfort she gets, not so much from technology, but, but from work and the tools of work. When she goes back into her office and she talks about her, um, uh, her, her um, what do you call it, the ruler, um, and just the way her desk is set up and how she performs those, the operation of her job gives her comfort. That's home to her, even though she, you know, she's going to be alone now. It's yeah. done. Everyone's leaving. It's kind of frightening and beautiful at the same time. <laughs> it absolutely is. And it's routine, right, Shelley? So it's yes. this idea that, and, and we see it in both timelines, that as things start to shift for her, the only, and I think this is true of any of us, right? When you know, What we're going through right now with COVID-19, we need structure. Suddenly I'm working from home. How do I make sense of that? What do I do? I give myself a routine. Every morning I get up, I take my dogs to the dog park. I, you know, I just, I have this set way of doing things. I come home, I make the coffee uh, and, and I go through and have how I know my day's going to go. And we see that with Candace, like I said, in both cases, she's still trying to work for her. It was very easy to say yes to that contract uh, and stay on and keep doing her job and sending these emails, which I found to be just hilarious as you kind of think about the absurdity of what's going on around her, but needing to have that structure and being surprised when she realizes, oh, wait, I'm the last one here. That's interesting because I, um, I I found it very sad um, that she was in the office and uh, when Blythe and Delilah say to her, um, we're leaving and you know everybody else is gone. And Candace asked, well, where'd they go? Well, they went to family, but she doesn't have family. Yeah. She has that office. She has work. She has a contract because there's money involved. Oh, it, it, it's yeah. And it, it is sad because it's not just those two that tell her, hey, you know, we're going to go see family. It's the email that ends that chapter too. Right? Says was, the same thing. Yeah, exactly. He's like, look, my daughter's fevered. I'm spending time with my family. I, I don't know what's going on in New York, but I recommend you spend time with your family too. And, and you're totally right that that's and I think that's where we, you know, we circle back to that conversation about the mother. She doesn't physically have her there, but being able to have this representation of her really helps Candace. And like you said, she's built for this. In some ways, the ability for her to not be totally tuned in 
makes her cope better. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> if I had known what that road was like at night, I wouldn't have gone. <laughs> yeah. But when you go into it unknown, like I said, I, I don't know that I could ever do what you did, but I bet the emotions you had on that trip, I mean, you know, just in the moment, like you have to think about yourself first. And so there's definitely a lot of correlation there. You know what? Um, I was kind of shut down much like Candace uh, is right now because I just kind of kept going and said, okay, this is what you do to ride a motorcycle. Uh, and at the same time I was trying to film. So it was hard to kind of think about filming something very beautiful and then also think about what I'm thinking in my helmet and just trying to calm down, relax, unplug and just get into the road, into the glide, uh, a feeling, you know, just flying. Sometimes you get lost, but you can't get too lost because you could be hurt. So I don't know. I just kind of shut down and did it. And then I didn't realize what I had done until after, oh, maybe two, three months after I'd gotten back. I said, oh, my God. <laughs> what, what was that like for you? Like uh, Time is different, uh, too, because you're so detached from everything because you don't have that shelter of a car. So you're just out there in it and you can smell, see, feel, hear everything. I got caught in major rainstorms that just all I could think about was Jesus because <laughs> I thought I was going to go meet him. <laughs> the rain was coming down so hard, but you just keep going and you become one with that machine. You do what you can. You forget about I. It's more about kind of the experience and I'm going to make it to this destination. Just this little small piece today, one day at a time kind of a thing. It kind of slows it down. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was beautiful. I can't wait to do it again. And that's really what you're describing reminds me so much of what Candace did, Shelley, because you're saying you don't think that you could do what she did. And yet, in a way, by by being in the moment and trying to just make it to your destination during those challenges, you were doing what she did, right? Because she's she's really trying to, you know, just get through each day with with Luna and you both mentioned how as her her urgency for survival crescendos her detachment from what's happening around her also is is decreasing right she is becoming more present um something that was really interesting about that dynamic to me is that she's both in a group but she's alone and you know we think of survival and connection to other people in terms of groups generally. And I know like you, Shelley, when you were on the road, you're part of that sort of tribe, right? And I've experienced that a little bit on the trail with other backpackers, but then at the same time, you're alone. And Natalie, I'm, cu I'm curious to hear your thoughts about how that plays out in Candace's survival. Yeah, absolutely. So I think for Candace, it's really important for her to start to have to reintegrate into the group a little at the end there. Uh, so at the section where we cut off in the book, um, she's kind of trying to take, I think, some steps to reconnect with everyone. But to be honest, early on for her, it was really helpful for her to be a little bit more of a loner. I think when she starts to form those relationships and connections, that's when it starts to feel problematic for Candace, right? So when she gets connected to Ashley and Evan and all the things that happen there, she wasn't really close with them at first. And so I think that causes her to pull back again where she's not connected to the group. Um, but at the same time, again, now she's kind of got to try to talk to Bob more. She's got to form those relationships uh, if she hopes to be able to survive. Well, her skills for dissembling are um, at a peak at this point. 
because Rachel says to her, oh, you know, offering condolences once Evan uh, has died. And she says, oh, I know you all were close. And Candace says, we weren't close. Yeah. You know, and so at the same time, when she has her conversation with Bob, you know, she's dissembling so that she can get free. It's all an act. Yeah. An act of survival. Exactly. Because she does have relationships that are meaningful to her, right? It's besides her mother, we haven't even talked about how another component of these dreams is the ex-boyfriend, right? And this memory about the the retainer that she put on in the bathroom, which... Uh, you know, was a whole other thing. But but she has this relationship she still holds on to and wonders about. And she reflects and says, you know, I hope he made it out to the bay, but most likely, you know, he could be fevered or he could be dead. Uh, and that's trying to be realistic about it. But I do, it, it, it's clear to me in reading these later chapters, he's still meaningful to her. But no, so what's interesting to me in this, Shelley, is that it feel like it kind of flies in the face of research. So as somebody who studies relationships, studies what we do, um, obviously we have relationships that are meaningful. Those relationships can and should consider uh, to be continued. But at the same time, our need to belong typically causes us to want to reach out and connect with people. And yet we constantly see Candace say, well, actually, I don't really have that need. I don't need to belong. I don't need the social interaction. She actually gets a lot out of all of her other routines. Um, And I think part of that is clinging to those old relationships and that memory of them as opposed to forming those new connections. But that's, I think, again, think part of what with this dialogue with her mom, where she sort of says, oh, well, maybe I do need to sort of connect to survive. It's, it's really interesting you bring that up. Um, I just had a thought that just popped into my head. Um, uh, and it happened a few times on this trip where um, I would pull into a gas station and there was another rider there who was, you know, long distance riding. Um, and we were drawn to each other uh, and, and the journey. Uh, so even though I was out there by myself and I was in that helmet and it was all about, you know, Shelly and what Shelly thinks and Shelly's going to make it. Look at that beautiful road kind of thing. Somebody else comes up and says, hey, I'm having the same experience. This is why I'm doing it. And you felt a kind of community in that. Um, it was really, really I don't know. I, I hate to say I hate to say it, but it seems like I felt a connection to these people that I had never met before in my life deeper than some of the people that I know here where I live. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, you have this shared experience. And so it but we see Candace push against that. Right. Because when she like you said earlier, when she says to Rachel, no, I we weren't close. Well, but in, in terms of things, I mean, you've been traveling with this group. You've been a part of things. You've gone and had these experiences. He was the first person you told that you were pregnant. Uh, so I think maybe she's playing herself a little bit on that one. Well, there's a kind of danger in letting people in. Absolutely. In a lot of situations. And I think she's used to that kind of thing. Um, because even though she did the stocks with them, and that was only after she kind of forced her way into the group. Because she was still outside then. She's constantly self-alienated, even though she's following along with, you know, this little core group of people uh, to stay alive. The connection is hard for her. Uh, And I think we don't know that Candace knows this. And I don't know because I didn't write the book. But I had a thought about why she chose Evan and why at that time to let him in on something so important. Does that make sense? (sighs) Yeah, it absolutely does. And I think for me, when I read that part of the book, it was that she just had to say it. Like, I don't mm. know that I, from in my mind, it wasn't about the person. It was about needing to make it real. Like if yes. I say it out loud, it brings it into being just like yes. in the chapter when she starts calling the baby Luna and that oh. kind of makes her more permanent. 
and and then now it's not a baby, but it's Luna when she references her, oh. and and yeah, it's 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 it really spoken sweet. into existence. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so I I guess in my mind it wasn't about Evan, um, which again is just really interesting to me as somebody who studies relationships because Candace sort of shows us a model of a person who can survive and does survive absent those things and what she really holds on to are the relationships that were once meaningful and even though at the moment she doesn't have them they do sustain her in a different way shelly natalie you have given me so much food for thought and also uh, reignited re-sparked my desire to get back out on the trail and do some backpacking without my cell phone um thank you both so much for this conversation i really appreciate it thank you yeah thank you so much for having us this was great thanks so much to shelly kelly and natalie pennington for sharing their stories Severance is a 2020 Nevada Reads book selection. Nevada Reads is a statewide book club that invites readers from across the Silver State to come together and share in the love of reading. Severance Radio, a Nevada Reads book club, is produced by the Beverly Rogers, Carol C. Harder Black Mountain Institute, and Nevada Humanities. Support from the Nevada Center for the Book, the Institute of Museum and Library Services, the Nevada State Library, and the National Endowment for the Humanities. Our engineer is Phil Corbett. Our writer is Sada Ortiz. Production by Lily Allen, Mir Arif, Stephanie Gibson, Kathleen Kuo, and Layla Muhammad. And I'm your host, Heidi Kaiser. Thanks for listening. Thank you.